It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is our review of the series finale of Game of Thrones, The Iron Throne. and welcome to the next best series podcast part of the next best picture podcast part of nextbestpicture.com a very very special podcast television review for all of you today we are going to be going over the final episode of game of thrones titled the iron throne it is directed by david benioff db weiss also written by them here to join me for the final episode review of Game of Thrones, I have Will Mavity. Hello, hello. We're going to end where we be- where we began, Will. I know. Isn't it fitting? Uh, but also, we're not alone. We also have Celia Shalekaway. Hey there. Josh Parm. Hello, hello. Cody Derricks. Hi, everyone. And Dan Bayer. Good evening. Packed house. Packed episode. <laughs> I think everyone is going to get their contents worth with this one because surely there is a lot to discuss. I'm going to be doing the same format I did on last week's podcast review where I'm not going to be doing necessarily a blow-by-blow plot breakdown of everything that happens. Instead, we're going to just go scene by scene and we're going to just have a free-flowing discussion about each scene in chronological order. But before I get to that... I do want to just say something really, really quickly uh, before we start, and that is, uh, as you all know, if you uh, read my blog post on nextbestpicture.com recently, this show has meant a lot to me over the last couple of years. It has actually gone on to not only help define uh, the person that I am today, but in many ways also uh, started NBP uh, to a certain extent. Game of Thrones was something that really brought together a lot of people in my life. It helped me to hold on to certain relationships that I had, and uh, it helped me to realize that this communal viewing experience that the show has given us over the years is something that I cherish and I hold dear, and I try to instill that in every uh, aspect of what I do at NBP. The communal aspect of what we do, getting together, talking about what we love, uh, that is something that gives me more pleasure than probably anything else in this world. So even though this final podcast review might be sad, might be bittersweet, might be infuriating, I don't know yet. I don't know how everyone feels about the episode. For me, it's nothing but pure joy. So I just want to say thank you to everyone that has indulged me in my obsession with Game of Thrones. 
And hopefully one day, uh, maybe there'll be an MVP member who has never seen the show and maybe we could do a, uh, you know, starting from episode one uh, kind of a thing. <laughs> well, no, there's spinoffs galore. Ah, yes. Spinoffs. That will probably, maybe... Yeah, let's just say yes. That will definitely happen. Uh, but we'll see if the retrospective happens. Uh, you know, we'll see what the future holds for us. Uh, but for this, let's go out with a bang. Will, as I said before, it started with us uh, during season six. Uh, you and I had met and I decided, I want to I review Game of Thrones. I love it so much. I just want to do it. And Will was actually uh, one of my guests for the podcast reviews. And that, I think, was my first introduction to Will Mavity, we you weren't even a part of MVP. Uh, I just I, I just reached well, MVP out. MVP was a one person operation. Exactly. It was your old podcast. It's amazing how through that podcast, I was like, wow, I feel like I have such great chemistry with this guy. I should bring him back on. <laughs> and lo and behold, so I'll start off with you. What did you ultimately think of the series finale of Game of Thrones? You know, ultimately, given. Where the season had led us to, for better and worse, better or worse, I felt like this was about as good a finale as we could ask for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually am in agreement with you on that. This is not going to be a complete love fest from me. I just want to also say that no. I've got definite criticisms to point out. Uh, but for the most part, uh, sentimentality is probably going to rule the day for the most part, uh, <laughs> in regards to me at least. Uh, Josh, what about you? Uh, ultimate thoughts on the Iron Throne. Um, I thought that this was a good conclusion for the most part, but I do think that this episode, along with, I think, pretty much every episode this season, was really weighed down by a very rushed pace, which meant that we weren't able to get a great story uh, out of this this uh, this season. And I think ultimately for me, we got some good stuff, but I really did miss the opportunities to get some great stuff, and I know that we will discuss that, but overall, I thought it was a solid ending. There was a lot of stuff I did like. There was plenty that I wish could have been a bit stronger, but with the way that this has ended, I felt generally satisfied. Celia? Yeah, I, I agree with Josh. Um, for the most part, I agree with everyone's endpoints. I think uh, uh, it's just hard to hard to know that, you know, I for sure liked it when the journey there was so frustrating. So it's kind of a mixed success for me. One might even say the term bittersweet. Oh my God, I have a quote. I have a quote about that, but we can <laughs> talk about that later. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I've heard that word over the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Dan? I feel like I've been spending most of this season defending the show and from people who had various issues with it that I just simply didn't see or thought were very misplaced. And I think this episode, I don't think there was ever going to be an ending to this show that was going to satisfy everyone for a lot no. of reasons. And I have a whole like novel length belief as for why that I won't get into. The creator himself who writes the novels can't even finish the damn thing. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Partially because the narrative have grown, has grown too sprawling for him to make, you know, to write the damn thing. But anyway, 
Um, I think that this came about as close as it was ever going to for the simple fact that even while everything that happened may not have been what I exactly wanted or what would have been the most poetic or beautiful or right ending, everything still felt of a piece. It felt right in the larger context of the show going back all these eight seasons. And in that way, I think it's a success, even though the episode itself is a little uneven. Okay. Cody? I hate to echo what literally everybody else said, but I was pleasantly satisfied with the episode in a bottle, but I agree. I think getting to this point, there is no completely satisfying way to end the story. That being said, I, before the show started, I kind of said to myself, okay, so you didn't like the last episode, just kind of put aside what happened as a criticism of the upcoming episode and just accept that it happened and view the episode by itself. And in that sense, I was appropriately whelmed. I wasn't mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't underwhelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed. It was satisfying. Would I have done it differently per se? Sure. But was the thing that was there that we're critiquing and reviewing satisfying overall? I would say yes. I don't want to beat a dead horse, so I'll get it out of the way now because I have a feeling each one of us wants to say the same thing. Um, this season needed more episodes. Absolutely. Even if it was simply just one just one extra episode to match the last season even uh, to let character moments, to let plot points simply breathe a little bit because Danny's turn last week, I kind of, you know, I, like many of us, I'm sure went through this shock phase, then this phase of just anger and bewilderment and then kind of nitpicking, trying to piece together why it happened and trying to justify because it seems like even the showrunners don't really seem to know. And like, everybody's like not on the same page with what exactly it was that happened with Daenerys. And a part of me heading into this finale, then started to say to myself, you know what? Maybe it is meant to be ambiguous and maybe it is supposed to be open to debate because that's what maybe creates the ongoing discussion, the drama uh, behind the show that could have a lasting effect once the initial uh the initial criticism and heat so to speak turns down you know what i mean it's something that we could write pieces about and have different perspectives on and we would all be right because it isn't so clear and then heading into this episode i was scared to death about are they going to make everything more clear? And there are certain things that they did make clear. And there are certain things that are still unclear that I have new gripes about with this week. So it's been a a weird season of expectation versus actually what we receive. And I I said it on a couple of our episodes. I I really don't think um, a valid criticism is you saying, well, this is not what I wanted. So I don't like it. Sorry. You know, I respect that. But that's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk about what was given to us and critique it as such. So, with that said, we're all in agreement. We needed more episodes. It is what it is. It's over. It's done. I just want to. I just want to go on record and say I think it needed more than one episode. Oh, I'm saying. I'm saying at least one. I'm saying literally at least bare minimum. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, that's more than zero. So. I mean, because if, if they were going to do more than one to... Uh, if they weren't going to at least match season seven, then take the Night King storyline of the first three episodes, put it at the end of season seven. You have your 10 episodes and then leave the final season for Cersei and Danny, and give that 10 episodes and then make us wait three years, which I know is exactly why they didn't do it. They, it, it would have pushed it out too far. And I, I yeah. think that it just would have been a bad business move in that but instance. I also don't, I mean, I think they could have, shortened both of the big battle episodes and in turn oh, shaped yeah. off some of the production time there and directed that to doing smaller scale episodes like you know somewhere in between episode two sure and absolutely yeah in, in all this because like let's be honest although a lot of people love the battles and for some people that's the reason they watch the show that is not the main appeal of the show for most people and most people agreed that they were both over long yeah i think this is the year where david and dan bit off more than they could chew in terms of the spectacle i mean they went on and on and on about these 55 consecutive night shoots and we didn't even really hear much about the production behind last week's episode but clearly it was evident on the screen that they spent a lot of time on this and i agree that it feels like they spent the same amount of time scripting these episodes and they spent more time on the production aspect when maybe they should have, you know, given more time to the scripting and getting some of these uh, beats right. But then again, no more source material. So unless if David and Dan one day decide to do a tell-all interview and lay their cards out on the table about what really happened or George does or somebody, um, hell, hell, who knows? Maybe we'll find out some more in the documentary next week. <laughs> you know, The Last Watch, which is airing on HBO. Uh, until then, we'll never really know. Well, I mean, you watch those, um, the uh, game revealed things that they have and like, I, the, you have no idea how massive a production this is. Yeah. You know, and like they're t- until they're talking about shooting two weeks of night scenes or whatever. And like how insane the prep work. I mean, just the prep work is for all this. I mean, mm-hmm. like the producers really had their hands full, not to mention all the craftsmen. Yeah. You know, everything had to be created. And to be clear, the actors, in my opinion, fully brought it this year the directors all fully brought it the cinematographers the crew literally uh ramin jawadi yeah (laughs) preach i've been playing that soundtrack all day it is amazing uh the only thing that did not come through was the writing and i don't know if it's because you know if we look back on earlier seasons and we say to ourselves let's imagine if there was no books and that this was an original television show with no source material, how would we judge it then versus how we're judging it now? I do think that now, looking at it objectively and seeing it as a whole, I still maintain what I said last week, which is I think David and Dan handed in their outline for season eight, and on paper, it looked amazing. The plot points were all there, the big set pieces were there, the character moments were all there, and then somewhere between outline and scripting, they just didn't have the same magic, whether because they were uh, tired, lazy, their mind was elsewhere with other aspects of the production. They don't have George's guidance. Who knows? Somewhere between outline and script, that's where this season suffered. 
Because I do believe that with these six episodes and the time that they had, I actually believe they could have pulled it off. Yeah. Well, and it's really funny because I feel like I don't think I've seen a single person who hasn't said that their favorite episode of the season is episode two, which is the slowest, um, least spectacle-y episode of the season and also the best. Like, that's not a coincidence. It was written by Brian Cogman, man. And he yeah. still was clearly on board with the world and the characters and was not ready to be done. Mm-hmm. You know? If I'm being it, completely honest, this was my favorite episode of the season. This one? Yeah. The Iron Throne, really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, they, ca- they, got, they got you in the emotions, bro. You lost sight. <laughs> so, it's back to what the show does best successfully or not which is character interactions and people sitting down and talking and I mean that's what got us all into the show not the battles and I don't know anybody exactly, that watches yeah. it exclusively yeah. for the battles so when you have these hour and a half episodes that don't move the plot forward just bloat up these battles it's not a good use of extra time in my opinion I like having one of those in a season that is usually the penultimate episode that's fine but having two of them in such close proximity is exhausting. Mm. All right, let's get into uh, scene by scene here. Like I said, we're going to have a lot to talk about. I'm sure a lot of these points will continue to come up in some of our defense or criticisms for certain scenes and moments. Let's talk about the aftermath of uh, King's Landing's burning from last week's episode up until uh, when Danny gives her speech. Uh, what did we think of the first opening moments of the episode? Very I mean, it's cool. Strikingly shot for yeah. sure. Shout out to Jonathan Freeman, cinematographer for this episode and his only episode for the season, because I have to say, uh, yeah, some of the iconography, uh, some of the, uh, I mean, we'll get into some of the more specific shots as they come, but I totally agree. The mood, the lighting, uh, some of the wide shots. I mean, this was a this was a very impressively looking <laughs> episode of Thrones. Is this one Peter fucking Dinklage, man. Is this when he found dead Jamie and Cersei? No, this is uh, we're we're, we're very early. Um, Before that, but maybe I do need a plot by plot uh, description. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) This is like Tyrion walking through the destroyed sets. Uh, We're seeing here's something interesting. Uh, There was always this debate about snow or ash in Danny's vision in season two, and I think why not both. Oh, yeah. 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 I think after last week, we all concluded, oh, it's going to be ash. And then this week, it's clearly snow and ash. And that made me say ice and fire. Ah. Oh. <laughs> but, um, it made me say it made me snow. say they couldn't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> but yours is good. Um, so it's interesting how the man with no dick becomes a dick in this episode. Uh, Grey Worm. Uh, we're seeing him executing prisoners. Uh, I, I, what did we think of Grey Worm's portrayal in this final episode? Uh, because I, it made sense to me as the soldier that he is, but also like a little colder than we may have seen him before, which makes sense because he doesn't have Miss Sunday after she sort of opened him up to life and now he's sort of more closed off which is why i was surprised that he a like presumably Jon snow went straight goes straight up to him and tells him exactly what he's just done and uh he doesn't kill him on the spot which i I don't buy i'm sorry 
And then the fact that he like is willing to, since he's technically calling the shots, he's got the power in the city. He's commanding the armies, basically, just like roll back and give everyone presumably days to have all the lords and ladies come in and then sits back while they conspire to put the brother of the person who just killed his leader on the throne like if if john had not admitted to his crime i would have bought everything a little bit more but it, it was just bizarre that gray worm just like chilled out and let all this happen yeah there was a yeah. very quick turn in the council scene from him seemingly from like you need you can't talk we're not to there him. yet okay. <laughs> sorry oh, yeah, no but what's about gray worm and you, you can't talk about gray worm unless you get into all that well i'm i'm with you on the sense that you know we're seeing him executing uh prisoners who have already surrendered obviously we know that this is wrong and john calls him out for it and i actually found it off-putting like i didn't like it i i did not enjoy what I saw they were doing with Grey Worm in this episode. And they decided to give him a humanized moment at the very end, his final shot of the series. And I just thought to myself, it, it, it wasn't ringing true based on everything else I just saw. Because even though, like, all right, let's talk about this for a second here. On one hand, he's a soldier who's following his queen's orders and he's fueled by emotion. On the other hand... He is completely wrong, and he should have a moral heart and know that this killing is wrong. Where do we lie with this? But but he wasn't. They the unsullied weren't really raised with morals. Okay. Right. Okay. I mean, they were raised to be killing machines, and the only set of morals he has really is whatever Danny has put into his head. And Missande has put into his head. So right now, I mean, he only has Danny. He's going to do what a soldier is going to do, which is what his queen commands. Um, another question. Was anyone here let down that there was no John uh, Grey Worm fight? Will, I think you said before you found it unbelievable that they wouldn't have come to blows. But, did, but did, do you feel that they actually needed a fight in this episode? Needed a fight scene. I just find it hard to believe that he would have just been so cool with John having done this. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's not in line with what we've seen. I don't need any more fight scenes in this. It's the opposite of what I want. I just question the real. Yeah, no. He heading into this episode, I wanted it, and then when I watched the episode after it was over, I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I didn't need it." <laughs> you know, yeah, I wouldn't say that we needed a fight scene between John and Grey Worm, but I think we needed something to bridge the gap between yeah. him killing her to then all of a sudden Grey Worm being okay with just imprisoning this guy. There was a logic gap there that just didn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. And, you know, whether that was like maybe just getting an explanation of him wanting to give John some kind of fairer trial i i don't know no 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 you know what it is i'm gonna tell you exactly what it is because i thought about this too and i and you could say i'm justifying the show defending the show whatever but i do think in the universe that the show has set up i think this does make sense so hear me out um the show has precedent in the past for when you have a hostage 
in certain situations, whether it's Jamie or when Theon captures Winterfell and he's got Bran and Rickon, there is value in keeping uh, certain prisoners alive for political uh, purposes. Right, because he's not just a random uh, Lannister soldier. Yeah. That's because I thought the same thing. I was like, why wouldn't they just, you know? But we just finished talking about how Grey Worm isn't a politician and he's someone who, in, especially in these moments, mm-hmm. is acting not in accordance with morality and law but on his queen's orders and once his queen right. is not around to give those he orders just, yeah i agree that it there was that we needed some scene to understand what the fuck happened in the wake of drogon flying off with danny but we're not at that part of the episode no yet. let's let, let's get to let's get to the part that i think we definitely want to talk about here <laughs> which is uh peter dinklage's performance with the rubble jamie and cersei's bodies if this isn't his emmy submission episode one thousand percent it is <laughs> <laughs> it's his episode his, the last three really any of them could be uh, but this one especially, I this think. I, I, he got one. so much to do in this episode, I felt like. Yeah, more to do than he had in the whole of last season. Yeah, he was like the lead <laughs> of this episode. It was kind of his episode. Yeah. More than he's had to do since season four. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, Will, I think you and I said for Last of the Starks, that was the episode that he had most to do since, yeah, season four. Uh, although I think I might have argued for Dragon and the Wolf, but whatever. Um, this, though, definitively takes the cake. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen Peter Dinklage uh, cry on screen uh, when he strangled Shay, or when Oberyn announced that he was going to be his champion for his trial by combat, but Dinklage was sobbing. I mean, openly weeping in this moment. And I still want to believe, okay, hear me out, I want to believe that it was mostly for Jamie, and I definitely... Looking back on it now, all the dumb things that Tyrion did to keep Cersei alive or defend Cersei, I now have come to the conclusion, there's a line that he says later on in the episode too that uh, I think justifies this. It was more so for the unborn baby in Cersei, more so than I think Cersei herself. I would agree with that. I feel like you mean like his his sadness on finding them together? No, 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 no. Um, Like... Yes, but also to why Tyrion went so far to bargain with Cersei, to try to keep Cersei alive. It was both for his brother, because he knew it would crush his brother, but also simultaneously, there's an innocent unborn baby inside Cersei that Tyrion knows uh, is not, you know, sharing the same evil that (laughs) this woman clearly has. And he would like to do everything he can to make sure that that baby has a chance to live. Yeah, I, I believed that was the motivation like up until this scene. But after watching this scene, it felt a lot like it was Cersei herself that he was upset about. You know, like, it's not like they did, well, and maybe it's because it's TV that they didn't do this, but it's not like they had her, had him uncover her belly, right, and was, like, That's horrified. That's true. You know, yeah. like, like it really seemed to be focused Thank on... Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I'm not suggesting that's what they should have done, but, like... I could see a world where where that was the choice that they made and that would be the message they'd be trying to get across. But the focus on Cersei's face and Jamie's face and how close they were together, it made me think that it was mostly just like, oh no, he wanted both of them. Like, the, it's, it's a family thing. You know? yeah. yeah, like try as yeah. he might to, you know, 
hate Cersei and he has good reason to. I again like this is one of those things that's sort of been drilled into him since he was a kid that the Tywin's yeah very important and he is now the last Lannister. Exactly. Yeah. I mean that's that was my lot. thinking too. Okay, yeah. And also, uh, Will, I thought of you <laughs> during this moment because I just said to myself, oh, there's Lena Headey's fourth episode. She is eligible for Best <laughs> yeah, Supporting no, Actress. that's hilarious. I thought that that's too. That's why she couldn't go guest. <laughs> I was dying laughing when I saw it. I was like, yo. Cersei and she literally probably had a I was like, Nikolai Costa-Waldo and Lena Headey just got paid half a million dollars for just laying. <laughs> I mean, Jon Snow did for like the first half uh, of season six, too. True. True. <laughs> and not to like, and not to like, CinemaSins this episode, but I did love like the post episode like a breakdown on Twitter of people being like, "Oh, so if they just stepped anywhere that wasn't that spot, yeah. they would." Yeah, been. yeah, like, <laughs> like three feet to the left. We complained about this last week, where um, the production design showing Jamie and Cersei's way out being blocked conveniently by what looked like well placed bricks. I, I can overlook that, but then for the week after in the same scene to see conveniently placed bricks where in the visual that Miguel Sapochnik directed, it looked like the entire freaking roof came down. Right. I thought they were being yeah, buried yeah. alive underground. Like when he when Tyrion was walking around in a fairly unobstructed basement, essentially, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is surprising. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Made, I was, yeah I mean, it's it possible that there's been some cleanup, but. I mean, no. uh, weird to clean up every spot except for the ones where right. the dead bodies are. <laughs> <laughs> this area has everywhere. a vibe. Let's just leave it. <laughs> I did I did enjoy seeing Tyrion, though, walk. Once again, like, there's something about, I don't know, they've done this a couple of times with Tyrion in the show where he's kind of walked uh, in certain areas post uh, Danny Dragon burning madness. And the moments of him just surveying the damage, but this time seeing it in a familiar setting, a place that he once previously called his home. Yeah. Uh, that was very striking to me. I mean, I think at one point he goes into, I think it's the hand of the Kings uh, chambers at one point. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the map room uh, that they, you know, gave us in season seven. And it's like, I, I thought all of that was really, really well done. And then I started to wonder for a brief second, why is he going like like? Uh, of course, he's going to conveniently find Jamie and Cersei because that's what this is leading up to. But I was like, how are they going to do this? And then I remembered, oh wait, a minute, Tyrion told Jamie to go down there with Cersei, and it, that like that made sense. And so the hand thing, like I could forgive that from a nitpick standpoint. Like oh, he conveniently just found Jamie's hand. It's like. No, nah, he knew to go down there because he knew that's where he told Jamie and Cersei to try and escape. So. Yeah, I, 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 I was affected emotionally by uh, Dinklage's performance, and if this gets him a fourth Emmy, it will be well-deserved. So, Yep. yep. Okay. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of the full review of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 6, the series finale titled The Iron Throne, here on the Next Best Series podcast. This review ended up being three hours long, so if you want to hear the other two and a half hours of our discussion and also to our recap of Season 8, some Emmy predictions for the final season as well, head on over to Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You will get some exclusive podcast content, including, once again, the full review of the final episode of Game of Thrones. 
You have been listening to the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast under nextbestpicture.com. In order to subscribe to us, type in Next Best Picture into iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, or on Spotify. Hit subscribe, head on over to Apple Podcasts, write us a review, rate us five stars, let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate the feedback. Anything that you can do will certainly help us to get discovered more. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I cannot give you back your homes or restore your dead to life, but perhaps I can give you justice in the name of our king. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.